Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad, and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way, and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, welcome to Life's a Beach. This week we speak to the successful Shanna Kennedy, who tells us about her journey of becoming a life coach, and Yatesy stops into the beach shack to recount a cruel prank that I played on him. And later on we'll hear from the fans in the mailbag. So now let's hear from Shanna. Okay, this week on Life's a Beach, I'd like to welcome Shanna Kennedy, who uh, has got a great story. And what she's done in her career is quite amazing. So welcome, Shanna, to the Beach Shack. Oh, it's great to be here. I, I wish we were actually had our toes in the sand, but this is great. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, a different time, isn't it, with the uh, COVID. And, you know, we've had this the experience at the beach. There's a lot less people coming down. But it's starting to get slowly back to how it was. Just for the mm-hmm. listeners so um, that don't know you, uh, just give us a bit of a, a rundown on uh, you and your life journey and uh, how you got to this point now. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I finished school and I watched Wall Street, the movie, and I thought Gordon Gecko was really cool. And so I wanted to be a stockbroker. So I went and got a job, like work experience on the stock exchange floor in those days where they were running tickets around and everyone's yelling. I thought this is the coolest place to be. It's like action and fast and suits and everything. So I, I did that and got a job there and I worked there for, for many years. And, and in my early 20s, I realised it was a, more like the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, it's not really a nice place for young girls to be. <laughs> and, you know, the debauchery and, and, and everything that I saw, it actually made me quite sad. So I left that industry and went into the sport industry and looked after professional golfers and had an incredible mentor, business mentor. And I worked in his business and ended up running his business. So I just worked really hard, ended up with Bollet sunglasses and I had 200 athletes and I was the Jerry Maguire. Then I was, you know, buying and selling athletes and making sure they loved the product and were out there wearing the product and doing all the PR. And, and as you know, sports always on the weekend. So I was really great at working seven days a week. Yeah, it would have been... uh... Yeah, tough times. I mean, I know with athletes, it's, it doesn't stop. And some of the uh, what what were some of the biggest athletes then you had? Um, well, I was doing working with the Australian cricket team. There was Kerry Podast and uh, Nat Cook. I was great friends with Kerry Podast. We had cycling, we had Ironman, we had triathlon, we had the Uncle Toby oh. series, we had horse racing, we had all kinds of things. And so my life was so exciting. It was super exciting and. When you're the A-type overachiever, you know, I just burnt the candle at every end. And it was, you know, the early 90s. It was all yeah. about credit cards and partying and and that cost me my health. You know, I got chronic fatigue and it stripped away my whole life and my health. And I had to spend a year in bed. And, and 20 years later, I am still have to navigate and live with it on a daily basis. So tell us a bit. So you were going working, you know, madness 100% and seven days a week and and then what it just suddenly 
hit? You didn't know it was coming or the chronic fatigue? It was just something that just floored you straight away? Oh, I, knew, I, I didn't know it was coming, but there was plenty of warning signs. Right. But um, you know, when you're those crazy people, you just push through, you get headaches, your body hurts, you just keep pushing. And it's that real overachieving mentality that you push through and you just, I had no self-care. I, I, I just said, oh, well, you can wait for later. Let's, let's keep working. And um, it really did cost me. And, you know, we see it in business now where people are really burnt out. And people are starting now to look at mental and emotional and physical health as something really important, whereas really 20 years ago, it wasn't talked about very much. No, that's right. I remember when I was first started as a lifeguard, that was a, basically a, you get a slap on the back, you know, toughen up, keep going, and it, there was nothing else out there. And we now have uh, people come in and, and do that. We train physically to get our bodies ready to do rescues. No different than you would have seen with the athletes with, with sport. But then... No one trains the mind, and I've noticed that it's happening a lot more. We do that now, training our mind. We get a lot of body retrievals, so we get some heavy situations we see, and we're training our minds that we're going to get that, so why not train yeah. to, to prepare ready for it? Yeah, and no, I, I don't think we ever allowed ourselves to recover either. Yeah. You know, cavemen would go and hunt the tiger and then yeah. go into the cave for a week to recover. There is no recovery. It's mm. just get up and keep going, get up and keep going. And and I think that, you know, 20 years ago when I was lying in bed and, and very depressed because I couldn't move my body, I thought about the athletes and about how no one had prepared them for life after sport. So I saw an enormous destruction. So I studied life coaching to coach them into retirement because they're only 28 mm. when they retire, some of them, some of them even younger. Yep. And... I really wanted to be that coach that would take them into a nice transition. So that's why I started to, to be a life coach. I was one of the first in Melbourne and everyone thought I was a complete fool. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I was a bit early for my time, I think. I was going to footy clubs and they're like, no, we don't want to talk to you. We, we want to burn and churn. Yep. Whereas now, 20 years later, it's really nice to see that they're starting to embrace that care for the athlete and educate them and give them that transition plan. Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, I never thought of until probably the last five years. And, and I've seen a lot of athletes uh, when they finish their career, especially surfers around the beaches and how quick they fall off the rails. And I think what happens is they don't have that high anymore. They, they've had the high when they're doing it. You see it a lot with musicians as well. They get this massive high, but then when it's all over, it's they find it hard to go back to the normal society. Have you found that? Yeah, well, if you walk onto the SCG or the MCG and there's 100,000 people clapping you, you're never going to get that again. No. It's, it's this euphoria that normal life doesn't give you. So when I work with athletes and musicians and celebrities and, and the, I call them the corporate athlete, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> someone who's made partner or CEO and wants to retire, the drop is so big yeah. that we actually need to set up these structures beforehand and some safety nets to catch them. And to just prepare the brain that you will have to find those little mini highs in other areas now. Right. And so what does it mean to be a life coach? To be a life coach, it's a little bit like a personal trainer for your life. Right. If you think of it like that. <laughs> so, you know, you, you work with a personal trainer to get you from A to B. And you'll if you have a trainer or a coach, you're going to get there faster, better, more informed and supported. And a life coach is pretty much the same for your whole life, though. 
So do you find now, I've, I've noticed a lot of Olympic athletes now, have, obviously they've got their coach for their physical side, but a lot of them have life coaches now to get them mentally prepared for the big events. Yeah, and also what we do is we look at their financial situation, we look at their mindset, we look at their mind training, we look at their self-care strategy. But the biggest thing that I coach around is clarity, direction and purpose. If you're really clear about what you're doing and, you know, why you're doing it and then, you know, where you want to take it and where you're going to finish it, then life is really great and you you can get in the moment and you can be mindful. You haven't done that work and you haven't created the map for yourself. You know, people are really scared. Like what happens when it ends? Yeah. They haven't got a plan. So that's why I wrote the life plan, the book, which is now all around the world and in other languages, which is great because... I really think people need to sit down and think of where do I want to be in five years and 10 years and putting an age on that. So if you sit there and think about how old you are in 10 years time, and you put your age on that, yep. your mind opens up, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been lifeguard now. I'm into my 30th year. So that I'm probably in that position now, like, geez, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to do this forever. What am I going to be able to get nervous? Oh, so what can I do? <laughs> I can become a life coach. <laughs> well, so what we do as a coach is we we plan in decades right? and we think in years and we work in months so that we can live in days. Right, okay. So it's beautiful. It's like let's get the roadmap out so that you feel really confident, you know, really how many years you've got left in you to be a lifeguard. Yep. But then but then let's get the plan going so that you're actually excited about plan B and the next plan yep. rather than just going, oh, I don't know now, and you'll be a lost soul. So say I came, you know, you, I've come to you to help with, with my um, life and, and, and you're starting to do the coaching. What, what's the first question that you would ask someone to get that? Because some people would be a bit hesitant or not sure and you know, not confident about what they're well, I've got, coming. I've got a couple of questions. Number one is, what do you really want? which a lot of people can't answer. It's really bizarre. Like they'll say, I'll say, what do you want? And then I'll say, what do you really want now? Right. And that, that means you've got to really ask yourself the question and think about actually, what do I want? I'm sort of on the treadmill of life and I'm going along and I'm doing everything, but I haven't stopped to check in with what do I need and what do I want? The second thing is who are you without your job? Right. Which is a horrible question because your job is what you do. It's not who you are. And that's really what made me start start to be a coach is I saw these athletes that identified themselves with, you know, I'm Jimmy from the Swans and yep. I'm the Olympic medalist. Well, if we took that away, who are you? And that's the person that we really want to build and make confident. Right. Yeah. So it's really just this, uh, people look at you in, in a certain role model type way as an athlete, but then, yeah, if you break it all down it's you can be totally different as a person yeah and when you're really confident that you're not your title so if we say you know peter from macquarie bank who who is peter without macquarie bank they usually turn white right, you know yeah. they're like i don't know like that's my title that's who i am it's like shanna from bole and when i left bole you know i was getting 400 emails a day I was everyone's best friend because I had free sunnies right? Yeah. and I had you know, lots of money to spend yeah. on athletes. <laughs> I had a lot of friends, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you finish and the emails stop and it's like, oh, who, who am I without the brand behind me? And it's very, very confronting. So it's good to prepare people for that before they're in that position. Right. And I think that 
getting that through. And I've found that with, with Bondi Rescue, the, the TV show that we do. Same sort of thing. How many people want to say hello and speak to you and all that? Whereas if it wasn't on the TV show, there'd be very few of those would actually come up and say hello, you know, and that's, you know, take away that yeah. TV show. Where does that leave you? You know, do people still come and say hello or does that drop away altogether? It drops away. Yeah. It's gone, right. right? So then, then people get a bit depressed. It's like, oh, I really liked that. Now it's gone. So you've got to really work on building the person so that you don't even need that or think about yeah. that. And that's so rewarding for me as a coach. And I think that's where we all worry about what, you know, our title, because we're worried about what everybody else is thinking, what they think of you. And that that's the problem we have. Whereas realistically, and I've been trying to work on that to say, well, I don't really care what everyone else thinks. It's, it's got to be about me. And if I can live a, a really good lifestyle, which being at the beach and, and a lifeguard is, that's, it's quite good. But outside of that, you know, doing stuff that you enjoy, like going ocean ski paddling or like playing golf, things like that to take you away from the stress of work and, and the stress of everything else that, that happens in society. Oh, absolutely. And the third question I ask people is, what are your values? So right. your values are the boss. That's yep. actually who you go to work for. Yep. They're the things that sit in your gut. They're the things that make you happy and, and keep you connected to yourself. Yep. So when people work out their top three values, I'm like, oh, now that's your title and that's the boss and that's who you get up for every day. So you know, for example, mine is health, mental, physical, and emotional health. It's family happiness, which means am I showing up being the best version of myself for my husband and my kids? And the third one for me is achievement. I have to achieve every day or I'm miserable. So the achievement for me is to look after my body now, not sell 10,000 books and go on that TV show and yeah. sign up more people and go to more conferences. Is actually, have you protected the asset? Have you actually looked after yourself so you can have longevity in your career. So that's the right. boss. Yep. Life coach is what I do or an author is what I do or speaking on stage is what I do. Yep. But the boss is looking after the asset, which is okay. myself. So that means really you need, a, you need a routine. Everybody needs a routine each day. Yeah. You need these structures that support you. And I call them the bookends of the day, the, the way you start and finish your day, are really, really important to keep mm. you grounded and connected to yourself and know what you want. And in between, it's usually really messy, right? Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> it involves, yeah. Well, it involves the world, it involves your job. Um, but how you start the day, and that's why I love the beach. You know, every day I get up and I live in Melbourne. So right. I get up at 5.30, pitch black with my little torch on my dog. And I go to the beach every single day, every morning and start by walking along the beach, even if it's hailing and windy, which quite often in Melbourne, it's not that pleasant. But as soon as I'm down there next to the water, I feel like I've won for the day. Mm. So it's this mental health training for me is just to go to the water, to fuel my soul and then come back into the chaos of life. Right. Yeah, I find the same. I mean, I'm lucky I've grown up around the beaches and I can sit and watch waves break, you know, watch people surf the waves and it does make you feel relaxed and sort of energise you ready for the rest of the, the day. So I can uh, resonate mm. there with, with what you're saying. It's something that uh, I'm lucky enough to grow up with. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah, and during COVID, we, we only live a kilometre from the beach. So it's easy for me to walk down. There was no ships, no boats, no nothing. So it was just water and it was right. there was nothing on it because no one was allowed to even go in the water. Yeah. There was nothing. 
and no people were going out. I, I felt like I had this paradise to myself every morning. <laughs> so yeah, totally put me in the right mindset then to coach people all day who were really, really struggling during the huge lockdowns that we had. And you would have had a lot of those. I think a lot of people struggle, especially in Melbourne. You know, you guys are were locked down for a long time and we're lucky in Sydney and, and we didn't have as bad. And well, Bondi, we closed for five weeks. And that was something was like you're touching on. It was like being at a beach down the south coast of New South Wales. It was like the sand looked different. The water was looked cleaner. No one around, yeah. you know, to, having used to 25, 30,000 people. And it was really a unique time to be at the beach. Yeah. And for me, it was, that was my promise was never, ever stop this routine because this routine makes me feel so good. Even when I've got my gloves and my beanie on and it's freezing, this routine always sets me up to win for the day. So I think a lot of people need to be really aware of what their routines and their habits and their rituals are so that they can thrive in yeah. life. It doesn't just happen. We need a really great structure to support us. And then on the, the you have the structure, but also, you know, you need close people around you. And do you still have that where you can rely on people, pick up the phone and call them? And a, a lot of people that I've seen over the years seem to struggle to pick up the phone and, and speak to somebody. Yeah, especially this year. You know, I employed a coach for myself this year. Right. So I think coaches should be coached yeah. because they need to remember what it feels like to be on the other end. I think that's really important. And also someone, you know, I turned 50 this year. So that was my present to myself is get a coach for the year and yeah. take elevate yourself to yeah. a whole new level. So every two weeks I had a coach in my year. I've got a naturopath, I've got a trainer. And then there was a few people that, you know, we made a pact that this year, while it's going to be really tough and locked down, that I'd walk with a different person every day just to keep that social aspect coming up as, you know, we basically had six months of lockdown here. Right. When people are down and out and they're struggling, and what strategies do you put in place to, to help them? Um, I think they need some mental training. So train the brain. Yep. So your brain's like a computer. It's the most valuable real estate that you have between your ears in your body and if we don't put a program in every day all the viruses come in so how they train their brain in the morning how they what their affirmations are you know today is going to be easy and effortless for me i always say my body is strong because it's got i have to work with chronic fatigue all the time so it's what you're telling yourself will deliver all of those messages into your body so if you're telling yourself, geez, the sky's grey again today, it's bad, you know, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen to yeah. you. So for a lot of my clients, we we use yellow sticky notes. We had them around with the words that we needed to really prop our brains up or writing on the mirror some of the affirmations and the words needed. And I think when people are down, they need visual stimulation to prop themselves up and they need one or two people who are on their team champion right. to champion through it yeah, that's great advice we touched on a bit on you um you love the beach so i want to i ask a lot of people these questions and what does the beach mean to you freedom yep freedom you know when i go down every morning and i see that great expanse 
I just feel really, really free. And then, and then I really feel people, sorry for people that aren't close to the beach because they must feel really landlocked. So for me, it's freedom, it's mother nature, it's connecting to the earth. It's, I don't know, it's, it's so beautiful. It's just to watch water. So for me, it's, it's mental health. The other thing is, have you ever had a bad experience at the beach? So so many people end up in rips and get caught and, and you know, we're trying to educate people on, uh, on dealing with the ocean, but not only the ocean, it's also when I look at the drownings around Australia, a lot of it is in flat water and probably no more than up to two foot, three foot in the ocean. So mm. our campaign now, and I think our messaging has been probably not as, as accurate as what it has been over the years, Teaching everybody to float. The main campaign we're pushing now is to float. If you float, you can't drown. So, but is there, is there anything that you experienced, um, whether it be at the, the beach or, or a waterway? Um, not, nothing bad, nothing bad, but I'm very, very aware of the surf and yeah. limitations, you know. So if you're not a really strong person or... I try not to put myself in a dangerous situation as much as I would love to. You know, I'll go out through all the waves and hang out the back where I feel a bit safer. I don't feel safe in the crashing of the waves. I don't feel like I'm strong enough. So I think it's about that self-preservation for me really kicks in. Um, And I have a great respect for the water. And I think think a lot of young people probably don't. You know, I've got a 16-year-old boy. And, um, you know, his friend jumped off the pier and is now paraplegic. Oh, right. Uh, yep. Quadriplegic, sorry. He um, just dived headfirst off the pier and didn't realise the tide had changed. So that lack of respect for water. So, um, you know, all the boys around here in Bayside in Melbourne have really learned a terrible lesson through through one of their peers. But mm. um, there's a new respect coming out when they when they know somebody that's had a really bad incident. Well, that's one thing we're taught too. Growing up in the ocean, is you need to respect the ocean. I mean, it's uh, no one's bigger and better. That's the most powerful thing around. And you know, I've watched it pick up two-ton rocks and, and and throw them around and move them to different parts of the beach. So yeah, it's got a massive amount of power in it. Yeah, oh, it's stunning and spectacular and special, but it needs to be treated with kid gloves, doesn't it? It really. And, and I think it's about that educating of people that you can't just you can't just walk in and just swim and, and think nothing will happen. You've yep. got to really educate yourself. Yeah, that's right. Also, you've mentioned you had uh, chronic fatigue. So is that something that just so the listeners can probably get a bit better perspective is, is that something that goes away or is it something that you constantly deal with throughout your life now? I wish it would go away, <laughs> but it doesn't. It's a little bit like it's this dormant beast in your body. It's it's like your engine's got a crack in it. Right. So think of your car engine. It's got a crack in it. You can't fix it. And the crack will just be aggravated sometimes. So if you, if you, you know, go out till two in the morning or that's that will kill me for a week or, mm. you know, two late nights in a row, I start to get pain in my bones. If I don't supplement myself really well, um, because I travel a lot to speak, and so mm. I'm, you know, not this year I've had a break, but last year I was on a plane nearly every week speaking on a stage, and the toll that that takes, 
I had to really be careful of my supplementation and get some acupuncture. So you've got to really hold it like a child all the way through. You can't, there's no more abusing of the body and burning candles at both ends. Yeah. Those days are over, unfortunately. <laughs> but the, because the cost is too great. So it's having this great respect for health. Yeah. And it usually takes something drastic for people to, to learn that lesson and respect their health. And it makes you adapt and just create a different plan for yourself moving forward. I still, you know, really fit and exercise and yoga and lift weights and things, yeah. but the days of running half marathons, they're over. They're over. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm trying to maintain <laughs> and manage my body. I just turned 52 the other the other week, so yeah, it's. I understand where you're coming from there. It's. Uh... We need to preserve a little bit now. Yeah, that's not, right. Not we need to preserve a little bit. But I, I still get the young guys not uh, not thinking of age. They think that uh, you're invincible when you're in your, you know early 20s they think they look at me yeah. and say what's wrong with you why can't you do this do that you know they don't realize but i said one day you will understand when you get to my age also How good to be in your 20s. oh yeah i wish i could uh, wish i knew i knew now and went back to that age <laughs> so what's the number one piece of advice that uh, you have for us today know what you want right. know where you're going you know don't just float around you know and just not do much with your life i think get a plan together and make some decisions and and then you feel really confident because you've got a pathway and i think a lot of people lack the confidence because they just haven't done that little bit of work to they'll plan their business and they'll know the finances of the business and where they want to get to in a year with a business but the business of you is really important and to preserve the asset, protect the asset, which is you and, and build a nice road for yourself moving forward. Mm. That that raises our confidence. That allows us to really enjoy life and be really mindful and live it fully because we've done, we've, we've laid out the, the carpet first. That's great advice. And uh, I hope, you know, everyone listening takes that on board and where can listeners go to for life wellness coaching? You know, have you got websites? Yeah, well, have you got things that uh, yeah, they can get yeah, in contact so with? Um, there's shannakennedy.com, um, S-H-A-N-N-A-H, kennedy.com. There's Shanna Kennedy socials um, on Instagram. And every two days I put up a word, just one word to provoke you and make you think about something for yourself, which is really good. So a lot of people love that. Um, and they've got lots of free resources on my website as well, how to do vision boards and all these fun things, all free printable things on my website. So that's that's great. I love to do that for people as well. Well, that's great, and thanks for coming in today and having a chat. And I've got a lot out of it, and I hope uh, the listeners have as well. And uh, we'll have to get you back on for another chat soon. And anyone out there, just uh, send through to lifesabeach.au and uh, send your messages. And if we've got any uh, info we can send through to you, just uh, let us know. Thanks for the chat today. It's been great. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for having me on, and go and enjoy the beach today. Yeah, I will. What a great story Shana has. And now we will hear from Yatesy. G'day, Yatesy. Popo, how are you, mate? Good, mate. Uh, Thanks for having me. You know how we uh, play a lot of pranks and down the beach? and Yes, I do. I've sort of, over all these years, I'm <laughs> a little bit upset, mate, that uh, I played this prank on you. But can you uh, let us know how you felt? Well, you put up with me. 
Um, well, it was a whirlpool of emotion. I was angry. I was upset. I felt betrayed. You know, all those. I was didn't know what to do. I was shattered. I was coming down to talk to you. Yeah, but I didn't get that far. Remember? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I um. That's What I did, I thought it was a great idea. I thought I'd ring up Yatesy. As the recruitment was on, and we, you know, had a few positions, and we're bringing people on, and. I thought I'd ring him and uh, he was at home, but I'd already, we'd set it up with the camera crew and the crew around at Yatesy's house and uh, for making out they were there for some other reason and they filmed something to catch up and, you know, at his house and I'm in the tower. So I ring Yatesy and so they could get the reaction at the other end. I've, I've rung him and said, mate, like, I know we've been mates for a long time and it's been, uh, you know, good times, but it's come to a point that there was an incident earlier in that season that Yatesy came in to beach the jet ski. And we had the beach bike parked there, and in the beach bike, you've got the, the rescue board. Well, Yatesy's come in that fast, and, and he's hit the, the hard sand, and he's kept sliding with this jet ski, and he's gone crack <laughs> into the side of the surfboard. Now, I was actually, at that time, sitting in the tower, and I just heard this crack. It was like this, a willow tree <sighs> coming apart. And uh, radioed through, and I could see him stand there, and he was looking at down there. But I couldn't see from where I was in the tower. It was a blind spot to where the board was. Anyway, I've gone, mate, what was that? He's, he's, oh, it's all good. It's no, no drama. It's all good. And then uh, when the bike moved away, the rescue board, which are quite thick, it totally snapped in half. <laughs> yeah. He's hit it that hard. Yeah. But thank God they were there, that oh. that was there because there was two girls sunbaking, I reckon, another 10 oh. metres behind that. So that bike wasn't there to stop you. You probably no. would have gone over the top of over them. Over the top. I was nearly going to go up, hit the promenade. I was going that quick. Yeah, you came in quick. But, so. but mind you, to my defence, <laughs> right? This is a new. We 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 got a new jet ski, and it it was half the size, but had the same power. Yeah. So, the jet ski that I was used to beaching was a big log and heavy. So I, I was going at the same speed. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, that this thing was half the weight. Yeah. So it just kept on going. Kept on going. Right. So, and like you said, I I still have I, I had head noise about this because, yeah. like you said, if that bike wasn't there, I, I was potentially could have killed someone. Yeah, you could have been halfway back up the beach. Oh, for sure, run over run over a few people, but yeah, it was, and Quinn Darrow was on the bike actually, I remember, That's right. and missed his leg by that much. Yeah, we just, we just squashed his leg. We yeah. probably would have lost his leg. Oh yeah. So, so I, there was. Well, I thought after this incident, <laughs> right, what a great idea. We'd speak to the Bondi rescue crew and we'll set Yatesy up. And back to the story where I've rung him and said, Yatesy, you know, this has happened, this incident. And uh, I don't think we'll be able to put you on this year. I think uh, you're going to have to, we're going to have to let you go. And then what about your reaction? Oh, mate. Well, just getting back to the reason that the film crew were at my house, like, Back then, it was you know it was, wasn't far into the into the series. Oh yeah, do we need to do this? I was like, yeah, no worries. Come up to a house, you know. Like, I want to be on telly, woo, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. These days, I would just go do somewhere else. But you know, I was keen to get on and stuff. So it didn't it didn't even twig to me. So I got the cameraman asking me the dumbest questions about whatever, and then of course Hoppo rings me and gives me the news about not being not coming back. And I, I was, I remember being like, I was like out of breath. I was like, what? I said, mate, 
you can't do this. I've known you for 20 years, mate. Like, yeah. what? Oh, mate, there's nothing I can do. Sorry. It was yeah, like, yeah. I remember looking at the footage after. You just, you're pacing up and down the house going, yeah. what, what am I going to do? I was doing this. Do? Head, yeah, hands yeah, on his head. And... I remember saying to you, mate, the only thing I can do is swim and mix concrete for brickies. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, and I remember, I remember having a go at the, the poor producer that was there. She was a new girl. I was, yeah. Up. Well, I think it sunk in, and once it sunk in, then you turned, and then yeah, you're blowing up and going, yeah. oh, "Come on down now, I'm coming, I'm coming down, down now." Down. I said, "What? You can't go now." I said, "Mate, I'm coming down," and you you rang me on the way out, and you know what? This is I remember you rang. I think you rang the landline even. Yeah, was, that's I was at my mum's house, whatever, yeah. and um, yeah, I was coming down for blood. I was coming down the planet. <laughs> I didn't care if it was the, the the board that I snapped was actually brand new. So um, yeah, I was I was coming down. I was I wasn't sweet. And so, he, he, yeah, got, and I, he got me on the way out actually. And, yeah, well, I made sure I rang you back before you did get down there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and I was telling someone this the other day that that whole trick that you set up on me. You know, I was telling someone that I was on. I've been on the show for years and. I've done so many rescues and, you know, I've done this and found missing people and done all this really good stuff. But people see me, when they recognise me, yeah. you know, some yeah. people do, the diehard fans. Oh, you're Yatesy, you're the one that Hoppo played a trick on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, mate, but I also done some resources and <laughs> done, yeah, they done, don't care about that. done 100 rescues and, you know, <laughs> done pulled people from under the water, but you just remember me for that. <laughs> but, okay, whatever. <laughs> Can we have a photo? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yatesy, mate. So, great to have you in and uh, telling your story and uh, we'll no catch worries. up soon. 100% hot both years. What a character Yatesy is. Now let's go to the mailbag. This letter is from Mike and he's from Perth. Have you ever rescued someone you knew? Well, there has been over the years, especially uh, young kids down the beach that uh, their parents that I know uh, and their kids are running around and I have to, uh, they've got away and jumped into the rip and yep, I've had to go out, rescue them and uh, to the parents' uh, dislike and embarrassment, I walk back up to them and say, I've just rescued your child. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.